Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, this is week three in a message series called The Missing Piece, which I first heard preached by a pastor named Craig Groeschel. Just want to be upfront about that. Every once in a while, it doesn't happen a lot, but every once in a while, I hear another pastor's preaching and I just steal their ideas. And that's what's happening. So I uh, just want to be totally up transparent with you guys about that. In week one, we talked about how peace is not a matter of having all your problems solved. Peace is not found in the absence of problems. Peace is found in the presence of God. Many of us are living our lives like if I could just get this box checked, if I could just get this thing taken care of, then I'll be at peace. If I could just deal with this situation, then I'll be okay. If I could just handle this deal or get that promotion or get this medical thing cleared up or re reconcile with this person or, or whatever it might be, whatever's hanging over your life right now, we kind of live under the impression, the mistaken impression, if I may, that if I could just get this thing handled, then I would find peace. And the truth is, you could check every single one of those boxes and still not have peace. Peace isn't found. The shalom that, that God talks about in, in the New Testament, it's not found in the absence of our problems. It's found in the presence of God. So he will, he will keep in perfect peace. I said New Testament, it was Old Testament. He will keep in perfect peace. Shalom, shalom those who wait upon him. So that's where we kind of covered, that's what we kind of covered in week one. Last week we talked, in week two, we talked about how to deal with difficult people. Because we all, we all have some people in our life, uh, particularly in our family, with whom we are likely to gather over the next several days, who are difficult, who sometimes say things that are offensive. And we talked about how to find peace among people who offend us sometimes. And we kind of concluded that being offended is inevitable, yes? Being offended is inevitable. At some point, some clown is going to show up in your life or show up to your Christmas dinner. Like, every family has one, don't they? Doesn't every family just have, like, a pineapple, you know? There's, like, one dude who just wants to, or a woman who just wants to lay bombs and just throw, throw hand grenades into the deal or walk in the door and start offering criticisms about things, and it just, ugh. So being offended is inevitable. But living offended is a choice, and you have a choice in the matter, and you can, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. And that's kind of what we concluded last week. Now today, we're going to be talking about finding uh, peace in, in a different kind of circumstance. We're going to be talking today about how to find a little shalom, how to find a little peace when God makes us wait. Anybody here love to wait? Anybody? Oh, it's just my favorite thing. I've confessed this before. I'll say it again now. I'm a very impatient person. It's probably one of my, like, least pastoral qualities, my, my impatience. I just don't, I, I struggle with it. I, I immediately get frustrated if things don't happen on my timeline. If I perceive that someone is wasting my time, you know, I, I just get ticked right away. If I'm, if I'm trying to get home and somebody's driving really slow, it's like just, I'm just impatient. And so my deal is, I, I, I wrestle with that a little bit, and maybe you do as well. How do we find peace when God makes us wait? Well, 
we might observe that waiting seems to be part of the story from Jump Street. Waiting seems to be part of the story right out of the gate. So we're going to read some of these verses on Friday night at Christmas Eve, so I won't reread them now. But if you've been to church before, you've probably heard, you know, the angel visits Mary and says, don't be afraid, uh, you know, be not afraid, and you're going to be with child, and, and, he's, and, and he, he will be a son, uh, and you will call him Jesus, and he will be called Emmanuel, wonderful counselor, prince of peace. That's who we're waiting for, the prince of peace. But this, this ain't going to happen tomorrow. There's going to be a nice nine-month waiting period while the pregnancy develops. And for nine months, you're gonna wonder what's gonna happen, and there's gonna be a scandal, and there's just, it's just gonna be a train wreck. And you're gonna wait for nine months to kinda see what happens. Now some of you have been waiting for something, and some of you have been waiting longer than nine months, yeah? Some of you have some things in your life, it's years or even decades, you're just waiting for God to reconcile this thing, you're waiting for God to do something, you're waiting for God to deliver, and wondering why he doesn't. This is from the book of Galatians. This is Galatians chapter 4, beginning at verse 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. But when the set time had fully come. Another translation says, in the fullness of time. And there's a, a, a connotation in the original language that connects this, connects this phrase to a pregnancy. When the time is fully pregnant, when the time is fully ready to deliver, then and only then will it come to be. And any of you who have ever been on the working end of a pregnancy understand, like, you can't rush it. You can't make it happen faster, yeah? Like when you're ready to, some of, some of you have had this experience, you're at term, you're at nine months, everybody's ready, everybody's waiting, everyone's just like, could we get it over with? You're uncomfortable, everybody's waiting, like could we just move this along? You're jumping up and down, you're eating spicy foods, you're trying to like figure out how all those old wives' tales about how to move a pregnancy along. I don't know how, if any of it works, but you want to move it along, and what you learned, probably the hard way, is that... When it isn't time, you can't rush it, and when it is time, you can't stop it. It's like that with God's timing. In the fullness of time, in God's timing, when it's his time, and only when it's his time, will this thing come to be. When it's not God's timing, you can't force it. And when it is God's timing, you can't stop it. That doesn't make it easier to wait, though, does it? We've all been in the waiting uh, room. We've all been in this place where we're just waiting and waiting for God to deliver. And it's hard to have peace when you feel disregarded. Anybody ever felt like God had just disregarded them? Like God was just out to lunch? I'm shooting up prayers. I'm trying to get, it's, I'm trying to, trying to get some help here. I'm trying to get this thing happening. I'm trying to get something delivered into my life. And so it was like, and, and it's hard to reconcile with God when Amazon is so good at this. <laughs> Anybody? Some of you have not done your Christmas shopping yet because you know 
you can go home tonight and order a bunch of stuff, and it'll be on your door Tuesday or Wednesday. And you haven't done your Christmas shopping yet because you know if it doesn't come Tuesday or Wednesday, there's a customer service number you can call, and they'll have it there on Thursday. And you just sort of, you haven't, you haven't, you're not freaked out at all because you just know when you place your order, it'll, it'll be there. It's got quiet in here. A lot of you guys haven't shopped yet, huh? <laughs> Am I in your kitchen yet? Yeah. So, but, but, but sometimes it, it, there's no... You know, sometimes God doesn't deliver on that timeline. He doesn't deliver on my timeline. And he doesn't deliver on your timeline. And some of us have been blowing up the customer service number for heaven going, hey, hello. You know, I prayed for this thing, and it's a good thing. It's, you're not, I, I get it. You're not praying for a new Cadillac. You know, you're praying for healing of something, or you're praying for deliverance for something, or reconciliation for something, something that would be obviously and demonstrably good, something that would be God's will, something that, that God would almost certainly want. And so if it's a good thing you're praying for, particularly if you're praying for a thing for someone else, and it's clearly something that God would want, why doesn't he just do it? We're told he's capable. Why are we made to wait for so long, hearing nothing. So these words, wonderful counselor, prince of peace, these words were first spoken by, by prophet Isaiah like 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Did you know there was a period between the Testaments, and if you if you've been to church before, you grew up in Sunday school, maybe you know, maybe you don't. The Bible is divided into two main major parts. They're usually called the Old Testament and the New Testament. I think they're better called the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, but that's a talk for another day. Between these two testaments, there's a window of 400 years. The New Testament begins with the birth of Jesus. Everything in the New Covenant is about Jesus and his, his birth and, and life and death and resurrection and all that comes after with the, the, the rise of the church. Everything before Jesus is what we refer to as the Old Covenant. And there's a 400-year window between the end of the book of Malachi. Uh, if you grew up in Brooklyn, you called him the prophet Malachi. So if you grew up, you know, the prophet Malachi, there's a 400-year window where there's just crickets. Silence. God doesn't send a prophet. God doesn't send word. There's just nothing. Generation after generation after generation after generation of Jewish people come and go waiting for the Messiah, this wonderful counselor, this prince of peace. So where is he? I mean, you get 400 years. Can you scope out 400 years on your timeline? For context, our country is roughly 250 years old from 1776 to now, not quite 250. So tack on another buck 50 and you got 400 years. With me? Long time. Why? Why does God wait so long? For, for 400 years they're wondering, can we still believe in this God? Is he still there? We don't hear. We, we haven't heard a word from them. Has anybody heard? Have you heard from God lately? No, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen him. Yeah, he quit posting on Facebook. He's just, he seems to be ghosting me. I don't know what's going on. Can't, can't find him. Can't track him down. For 400 years, people asked, why? Why is he so quiet? Why the waiting? There were some things going on in that 400-year period that we didn't pick up till centuries later that helped us understand this period of time. 
First of all, the first major thing that happened, there were five big things. First major thing that happened in this 400-year window was the rise of a young man named Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great conquered most of the known world. When you conquer most of the known world, they call you the Great. If he lived today, he'd be Alexander the Goat. But he's not. He's Alexander the Great. He conquered most of the known world. And when that happened, most of the known world started to speak, at least a little bit, of Greek. It was the first time in history that there was a common language through multiple nations. At least a little bit of Greek spread with Alexander. Second big thing that happened was the rise of the Socratic method. The rise of the Socratic method. Socrates began to teach in a new way. Before Socrates, lectures were given, students took notes, end of subject. Teachers taught, professors professed, lecturers lectured, students wrote, and that was it. Socrates was the first major philosopher to encourage the asking of questions. When Socrates taught, he encouraged people to ask him questions to, in a respectful manner, challenge what was being said. He encouraged people to think for themselves. It was a brand new way of thinking, brand new way of learning. The Socratic method was a big deal. The third big thing that happened during this window of time was the arrival of the Septuagint. The Septuagint was the Old Testament translated for the first time into Greek. Before that, if you wanted to read any of these prophecies about the coming Messiah, you had to be or speak Hebrew. And because fewer and fewer people, as the, place, as the things spread out, were speaking Hebrew and everyone was speaking Greek, the Old Testament was translated into the Greek language. So for the first time, anyone could read it. The fourth major thing that happened was a period of time we now know as the Pax Romana. In about AD 63, Rome conquered Greece and ushered in a window of time we call the Pax Romana, the time of Roman peace. And because during this window of time, there were no wars to fight and no more lands to conquer, the Roman Empire turned its attention to infrastructure. They started building agriculture. They started building roads. And for the first time in history, there were roads between every major city. Like all the whole world became connected with roads. Some of them are still there. Some of these roads are still actually in use 2,000 years later. You need to call some of those clowns that work on the Long Island Expressway. <laughs> and the fifth significant historical event to occur within this 400-year window was called the Diaspora. The Diaspora was a period of time when... Jews were not allowed to live in Jerusalem. They were forced out of Jerusalem, forced to go out and live in other cities. So there's this 400-year window where everyone's going, come on, God, what gives? 
How long is it going to be? Why is this all taking so long? Anybody heard from God? I don't know what God's doing. I don't, haven't heard a thing. It's been 400 years. It's been quiet. What was going on? Why? Centuries later, we're able to catch a little bit of perspective because for the first time, everybody spoke the same language. And for the first time, the word of God was translated into that language. And for the first time, people were actually encouraged to ask questions about what they were being taught and challenge what they were being taught. And for the first time, the Jews who carried that message were forced out of their city and were able to access other cities because roads had been built. All of that happened in that 400-year window. Do you start to get a little bit of perspective on why he waited so long? Because Jesus came in the fullness of time when the world was ready for him and not before. It's just hard to see that when you're waiting. It's hard to see that God's silence does not mean God's absence. And some of you are there, you're just, it's been so long. Could we just, could we just dial up a little, a little honesty here in Christmas week? We dial up a little honesty. For some of you, it's been so long that you're starting to wonder, not just, is God good? Some of you, you're starting to wonder, is God even there? Little honesty, yeah? Is, is he even there? Is he even real? I mean, come on. I haven't heard a thing. I can't even get, you know, like you have an iPhone. There's like, if someone starts to text you back, you get the little ellipsis. You know, talking about like, you can't, they haven't texted you yet, but you can see that they're typing. I can't even tell that he's clearing his throat. I don't even know if he's typing. I don't even know if there's any message coming. It's just nothing. Quiet. Guys, God's silence does not mean God's absence. God's delays do not mean God's denial. Sometimes he's doing things behind the scenes, things that you and I don't see just yet. And we're not the first. We're not the first. Abraham and Sarah were promised a, a, a baby boy. They were promised a son, Isaac, yeah? And they were waiting. They waited 25 years for their son to be born. Joseph was sold into slavery in Egypt and came, came eventually to be the second in command of all of Egypt. That was a 13-year journey, most of which was spent in a prison. There's a woman in the New Testament, remember the lady who touched the, the hem of Jesus' robe? She had a bleeding issue that rendered her ceremonially unclean. It, it had terrible repercussions for her life, and she just needed to get to Jesus to touch the hem of his robe. She waited 12 years for that healing. There was a dude at the edge of a place called the Pool of Bethesda where Jesus came to heal people. And on this particular day, Jesus heals this guy. He waited 38 years for Jesus to say, pick up your mat and go home. You're going to walk home today. Why does God make Abraham and Sarah wait so long. Why does he leave Joseph in the dungeon so long? Why is this woman left to, to, to struggle with this issue for 12 years? Why does this guy at the pool of Bethesda wait 38 years for his healing? Why does God make you wait for so long? You want to know the answer? The truth is, I got no idea. I got no clue. I have no idea why he doesn't do it faster. I wish he would. 
Man, I just, I wish he would. I wish God delivered things on my timeline, but that's why I'm not God. He's doing things behind the scenes, and he's working. What you got to do is, is ponder this. While he's working, God might want to do something in you before he does something for you. God might want to do something in you before he does something for you. It could be that God's got, God wants to do some work that there's something inside of you that needs tweaking, that God wants to turn your attention to him, that he might want to burn something out of your life, that he might want to, something to, to, be, to, be, uh, to be taken away from, from your life. I mean, there's a habit or a relationship or a thing. Maybe there's just something God wants to speak into your life and you can't hear it and you can't see it and you won't do it because you're too busy like me going, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, let's go. When you're impatient, when you're, come on, come on, let's get this over with. You know, hello, customer service. Yeah, I still haven't gotten my package. Hello, heaven, I still haven't gotten my prayer request, you know. I mean, I paid for the priority shipping, right? Let's go. Let's do this. When you're in that mode, you're not reflective. You're not thinking about what might be going on in your life. You're not thinking about what God might want to do inside of you. Listen to this. This is back to Isaiah, prophet Isaiah. For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. What that means is this. Don't waste the waiting. Don't waste the waiting. Waiting is a part of life for all of us. None of us get what we want exactly what we, when we want it. If we got, have you ever, you ever met somebody who just kind of gets exactly what they want whenever they want it? You ever met like a kid who's gotten, like they just haven't lived long enough to experience any, like the suffering that comes with like an adult life and they just get everything they want as soon as they want it? Are those kids that we like or, or, or not? <laughs> just ask yourself, when you want everything you want exactly when you want it, what would that do to you? What would that make you? What would that turn you into? And is that really what you want to become? Waiting is a part of it for every single one of us. Don't waste the waiting. God might want to do something in you before he does something for you. But for that to happen, you're going to need to find a little peace. You're going to need to take a breath and go, okay, my peace is not going to be found in the answer to this prayer. It's, it's another box to check. If God would just give me this, then maybe I'd have peace. You can have peace now, even in the waiting. Now. You can turn your eyes to him and say, God, I want you to do whatever you're going to do in my life. And yes, I'm asking. And yes, I would like this thing to come to pass. And yes, I would really like it to be on this timetable. But the truth is, I know it's going to be on your timetable. I know that in the fullness of time, and only in the fullness of time, is this thing going to happen. And I'm trying to get it through my head, God, that if it's not your time, I can't force it. And when it is your time, I can't stop it. So I'm just going to try to stay in my lane and listen. I'm just going to try to stay in my lane and hear from you and try to be more like you and try to learn from this awful, terrible period of waiting. And maybe in the middle of this period of waiting, I might find 
that missing piece. In the fullness of time, the counselor arrived, and 400 years of silence ended with the sound of a baby crying. And the voice of God was heard upon the earth once again. He's the Prince of Peace. That's who we've come to worship. That's who we've come to connect with. And you can find a little bit of that peace. I could find a little bit of that peace. We could find a little bit of that peace if we'll learn to be patient and not waste the waiting. We'll pick this up right here. We're going to conclude this series this Friday night on Christmas Eve Eve. We hope to see each one of you back here for that. With that, let's pray together. Father, we love you. And we just confess together, Father, with one voice that we're so impatient. We just want things to be on our timetable. We want you to deliver it immediately. And we miss that you're working in the waiting. We miss that you're at work behind the scenes doing things we couldn't possibly understand. Father, can you give us faith enough, help us to find faith enough to trust you when the answers to our prayers aren't coming on our timeline, to find a little bit of shalom, to find a little bit of peace when we struggle with that, as we all do. Help us, Father, one moment at a time and one day at a time to remember that peace is found in your presence, not in the answers to all of our prayers. May that be so in my life. May that be so in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word truenorth to 77977 on your cell phone, and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.